Our sponsor today is Morning Egg Clips. Morning Egg Clips is America's number one daily egg news service, designed to be a quick and easy read. It will help you stay up to date on the important headlines in both local and national agriculture every business morning. You can go to their website at www.morningeggclips.com to sign up or peruse the headlines. Connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Your Morning Egg Clips will help to keep you in the know. Life. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. I am so excited for my conversation today. My guest is passionate about providing simple, sustainable, and social marketing solutions for small businesses in the agriculture space, right in my wheelhouse. She's the daughter of the only agricultural John Deere dealer in Connecticut, and she was actually the chief operating officer for four years before selling the business to United Ag and Turf. She stayed on as the marketing manager for a year and a half and then realized that her heart was truly in small business and agriculture. And that's when she decided to start her own marketing consulting, um, business supporting farms, equipment dealers, and other small businesses. I would like to welcome Amanda Stanton from Stanton Small Business Marketing. Welcome, Amanda, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I am really excited to talk to a kindred spirit, as you know. (laughs) In the other half of of my life, I help ag companies with their marketing and sales plans for their their company and a lot of marketing automation. Um, So first, let's talk about your background and what sparked your interest in marketing, given your, your agricultural birthright. Yeah. So agriculture, most of us are born into it, right? And so it's an easy transition to, I shouldn't say transition, it's easy to stay in it. Um, The community is just fabulous, particularly in Connecticut. Um, And you don't always think of Connecticut when you think of agriculture, right? But we actually have over 5,500 farms in our state, um, most of which were customers of ours through my father's business, Stan Equipment. So I grew up in the industry, just fell in love with the community. And when you find that community, I think it's so hard to leave. So we have that. um, And I just love the kindness in our industry. Um, and I have found that in agricultural marketing as well. There's a respect, there's a kindness. Most of us come from the agricultural space if you're doing agricultural marketing. So there's a mutual respect and a mutual sort of life path that we all share and passion for the earth and what how to feed people. Yeah, absolutely. And so what is it like growing up around tractors and equipment every day, knowing all the farmers in your area? And, <laughs> and it's got to be hard in retail you know, not saying too much or, you know, there's always the the family feuds and, you know, how do you deal with all of that growing up in it and then continuing on? um, Wouldn't have had it any other way. (laughs) It was just amazing. We grew up visiting farms on weekends. We would go to, you know, Northeast Equipment Dealers Association trade shows and meetings with our dad. Um, We would just do everything and anything agricultural related, um, fairs, equipment shows, just growing up that way was so amazing. And you meet so many different people and so many different types of people and different types of farmers from all over this part of the country. And you just have a respect for what they're doing and how hard they work. So learning that from a really young age, I think set me up in a really amazing way for success in this marketing capacity. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's a lot of different 
um, I guess, areas of marketing within agriculture, starting from like grain marketing. And that to me boggles my mind. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about grain marketing. <laughs> we're talking about brands and, and messaging. And um, and I kind of want to look at it in a few different buckets, kind of. We're going to start with, with, with farmers, and then we're going to talk about manufacturers and then kind of the, the tech stack that, that you work with. And, uh, and, and also some messaging, and then we're going to, you know, talk about messaging to consumers as well. So, um, so when I was in college, um, with a bunch of Aggies and I was really fascinated by the loyalty that every boy had to a tractor color. I didn't get it. Um, <laughs> I came from more of a horse background, so I really didn't get it. Um, they would get into it at class during meals in the barns and it caused like real fights sometimes. So this is what inspired my other podcast, What Color Is Your Tractor? Uh, so why do you think that there's such strong loyalty to equipment color? Where did it come from and why? This is a great question. Um, and I'm sure you will get 500 different answers. <laughs> my mm-hmm. answers, I have two things. One, nostalgia. So mm-hmm. it is purely a, my grandfather started this farm with Case IH equipment. It is my great grandfather bought his first John Deere from so-and-so down the street. And that's what we run. So there's that piece of it that is much stronger, I think, than any of us really see or like to admit, but that's a, that's a big piece. Um, The second thing is it's a, it's a smart business decision. So if you build your fleet with one type of equipment, you can stock the same wear parts. And I know you know this. But, you know, you stock the same wear parts. You have the same mechanic who comes to your farm. You build that relationship with the mechanic, with the parts guy at the dealer that you love. And so you have this relationship with the same dealer. So if you have an issue, they know where you are. They know your staff. They know your team. um, And you just build that relationship over time. And so brand loyalty, in my opinion, really comes down to a, a loyalty to a dealership which is something that outside the industry, I don't think we, people would necessarily see, but it's truly a loyalty to a human. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, but you know, on the other hand, these days, there's so many choices. There's the ability to look up anything online, not necessarily rely on that local dealer. So do you think that strong brand loyalty will be more and more diluted as time goes on? Or, or how do you see that going? Unfortunately, I do think it's getting diluted. And I think we will see that more over time Um, with the consolidation of dealerships. There's less of the owners being involved in those customer relationships. And while there's plenty of amazing things about big corporate dealerships, there's a lot of access to more equipment. There's, you know, better, newer technology. Like we could talk about that too. But unfortunately, what does suffer is that customer relationship. There's just no replacement for that family owned dealership. So I think we will see that delusion over time. Um, And availability has become a huge issue too, to no one's fault. But if your local dealer can't get what you need for two years, or they can't get what you need ever, or they have to charge three times as much as you can order it online from, um, you have to make a business decision. So we are seeing an intense competition in the parts space in particular, Um, And in the Northeast, you know, our prices are higher. So if a farm can go buy something online and have it delivered to their farm in three days for half the cost of going down to their local dealer and buying it, that's what they have to do. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a problem. I think in, in every area of life right now with everyone, every single type of consumer, you know, I get sucked in too. I'm busy, you know, for a while we only had one vehicle at home because one broke down and, you know, I couldn't just run out and grab something. So yeah. So that is a, a big problem. And, and, and I don't know how, you know, I think we have to make a conscious effort to be better about that. But again, it comes down to dollars and cents, especially right now. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, we had talked about loyalty and, you know, a year ago or two years ago, if you could spend the afternoon going down to your local dealership and having a cup of coffee with the owner and you grab your part, you might not mind spending 20 more dollars on it. Um, but, you know, with the dissolution of the family dealership, which is um, unfortunately what we're seeing across the country, um, that's just not going to happen as much. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, back when I was in sales, uh, making farm calls years ago, I noticed a few things that helped give me insight into the mindset of that particular producer that I was visiting. And it, it was never foolproof. Uh, I got it wrong sometimes, uh, <laughs> especially if like the, the farm was in the middle of succession or something like that. But generally, depending on the product that I was selling, I could make assumptions based on what I could observe right there from the driveway. So if all the tractors were the same color and all of the grain bins matched, I knew I'd have a, have a hard time convincing them of an off-label product. But if they were all different types of bins and none of the tractors matched, um, I knew that even if I sold them something before, I could not assume that they'd make a second purchase from me. I have to work really hard to keep that customer. So what have you noticed about producers purchasing decisions as you worked in ag retail? So you're hundred percent right. If you drive up and you see a farm that is all red, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you might have a really hard time breaking into that farm or all green, any color that they're loyal to, mm-hmm. um, AKA what color is your tractor? I mean, that yeah. podcast just really hits the nail on the head and I love it. It's such a great listen. Thank you. Um, so what we're seeing today is with availability issues, it's opening up this space for new manufacturers to come in. And these manufacturers might not be new to other countries, but they're new to the United States or your geographical area. So here, you know, we have Lemkin coming in Mm -hmm. um, and we also had Hustler come in and they're just really innovative companies. Um, Hustler is from New Zealand and Lemkin is German and they're just coming up with innovative solutions and they can get iron on the ground. So farmers, if if they're trying to come in and order something as a feed solution and they need it next month and the color they've bought for a hundred years isn't available, they're going to buy what's available. Yeah. And it's just, it's come down to a very basic demand and supply issue. Um, Whereas in the past, it has been 100% loyalty. And now we're just seeing an, an unfortunate shift in that due to the market. Right. That's it. And and that brings us to manufacturers. Like that's a, you know, manufacturers really need to listen and really need to, uh, I, I feel like there's a bit of a, 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 not a false market, but a false sense of security over the last two years because of the backups in supply that they think, you know, oh, we're, you know, the orders keep coming in, we don't have to market, but I don't think that's true. And I think that, you know, going forward the next five years might be a little bit tough for some of the manufacturers. And these days, most of the old big iron manufacturers, they've been bought up by these huge global corporations. So what effect do you think that has on brand loyalty when companies can own, you know, competing brands that have been enemies forever? 
yeah, it, it, there's, it's twofold, right? So it's going to create some really amazing innovation and it's going to mm-hmm. create some really amazing products because typically if a big company or a big manufacturer is buying up a smaller one, it's for a reason. So they have a better piece of their technology. They have better marketing, let's say. They have you know, an amazing team. They have a factory where they want a factory. So there's this consolidation that is going to be really powerful for that global company. However, it does create some political marketing. Um, and one good example is Land Pride and Frontier. So Land Pride is a Kubota-owned attachment company manufacturer. And Frontier is essentially the same thing, but owned by John Deere. And from my seat as a small family dealer, you know, five years ago, we were selling both and we loved a certain rotary cutter from Land Pride. So we carried them and we stocked them, um, but we were a John Deere dealer. So as that those politics got involved, you know, we were being pressured to drop Land Pride and we were saying, well, no, this is a superior product. And so it does create this political environment of can dealers sell the best products for their consumers? And every dealer has to answer that for themselves. Um, and it can be a tricky uh, thing to navigate as a dealer. Right. And and listening to the farmer, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a huge, huge part of it that yeah. sometimes gets overlooked is, you know, we get so involved with competition and, and, and branding and the messaging, but are we actually listening to, to the field? Right. 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 And if their rotary cutters better, are we going to send them to the Kubota dealer that opened up two miles down the street because we can't give it to them? I mean, at what point, you know, are we listening to the customer's needs and demands and wants and relationship? So, you know, taking a step back and looking at that relationship is is so important. Yeah, for sure. So a couple of years ago, we took a poll across social media, mostly LinkedIn and Twitter, and we asked producers how they wanted to learn about new products. And we all know, you know, at a base level, nobody wants to be sold to, but when you need a product, you want it to be available. You want to be able to learn about it. So the overwhelming answer to that question was producers want to see and learn about new products on social media. If they want to learn more, they want to be able to easily find a video to learn the details. So how can manufacturers learn from the producer and what steps can they take to be less salesy and more educational? I think social media is an amazing tool. Um, YouTube channels has, have become an amazing tool. And when you're talking about um, marketing, a lot of what we do is educational. So in your marketing, you don't have to be putting out pricing and buy this, buy this, buy this. Let's teach people. Let's educate. Let's say, why is this product better? Not this product is cheaper. And it all depends on your strategy, of course, as we all know. But if you really want to speak to your consumer and you have an amazing product, why not? Um, it's not as expensive as it used to be to go film a YouTube video. Um, you sure. know, there's all sorts of different options. You can use your phone these days to do it. So, um, if, and if you're a small manufacturer or a small dealer or a small you know, company, don't worry too much about the quality. Just get the information out there. Get it on your website. Get it on your YouTube. Share it on your social media. And just make sure that you're consistently educating your consumer about your product. Yeah, those are great points. And for both manufacturers and farms who sell direct to the consumer, they have to be smart about about marketing and embrace the technology to make that marketing process more efficient. You know, spending, you know, companies have a hard time spending money on 
you know, somebody just playing on social media all day, right? So what are some helpful tools that can streamline the marketing process? There are great tools out there for planning out your social media content ahead of time. And then you, you know, I love the term set it and forget it. And you can do that realistically a month out. Um, There's always going to be things that pop up that you want to address right away. And so it's important to have that flexibility. Um, Something else I love doing uh, with email marketing is setting up a customer journey. So if a customer buys something from you and you register that warranty, which is how we get all of our customers, you know, information to make sure that we can follow up and make sure this equipment is running and it's, it's functioning properly and working for them. Um, you know, have them opt in and then send them an email in a week. Hey, how's everything going? Then in two weeks, Hey, have you signed up for your maintenance program? Um, you know, you can push service that way. So there's your start a piece of your service marketing right there. Um, you know, a month before it needs, let's say an oil change, send them an email. Hey, we see that you're, you're just about ready for an oil change. Like, do you want to bring it in? Click here to set up. So you can set these things all up so that it just happens at purchase. Um, And then that takes a lot of the stress off your salespeople because in reality, small dealerships do not have a marketing person. Mm -hmm. Um, If they have somebody, it's usually, you know, a brand new employee or somebody who just, you know, quite frankly, a family member or, you know, someone's cousin's wife's daughter, you know, something like that, who just stops in every once in a while and tries to help out. And that's wonderful. Um, But if we can be a little more strategic about it and again, set it and forget it, then it sets us up, sets us all up for success. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And so back to social media a little bit, everyone knows the famous YouTubers, the social media influencers <laughs> with hundreds of thousands of followers, but how does just a regular company make a dent in the noise and be heard um, by the people that can actually benefit from the message? And how, how do companies grow from zero followers to actually being, being heard? I love this question because there is so much white noise out there. Yeah. Um, my number one piece of advice is define your audience. Who are your customers? And you probably already have this data. So if you're an equipment dealer, you have your customers based on the information they give you when they buy their piece of equipment. If you're a farmer, you typically have this, you have your email lists, you know, you have your customers that stop in. So you know this information, but sit down and think about it. How old are they? Are they male or female? You know, where do, what towns do they live in? What regions do they live in? What are the demographics of your region? And you can really get a sense of which platforms to use based on this information. So typically for equipment dealers, which again is my main you know, segment, so that's who I'm focusing on today, um, it would be very easy for me to have jumped into the TikTok space very early and said, oh my God, we have to be on TikTok. Well, guess what? Our customers are not on TikTok. They're just not yet. So while it will be a very powerful tool in the future, I'm still working on getting most of my customers a solid, consistent Facebook presence. We're not even fully on Instagram yet. And it depends on the dealer. You know, there are some who are are more forward thinking and who are more open. And there are some who are just trying to get a very basic online presence up and running. And that's the most important thing, Um, not chasing the shiny objects. So yes, going viral is super cool and fun, right? But is it going to translate into sales for you? Probably not. Good and that's point. something that I think is really important to sit down and think about when you're doing your marketing plan. It should be simple. It's tr- it should be strategic and it should be sustainable. You should be able to, to do it even in your busiest seasons. 
Yeah, that's that is such an important part because it is often something that just isn't high priority. And, you know, nobody, no fires are burning for marketing. <laughs> it has to be intentional, right? We find that every right. single company I work with, it's the same thing. It's like, the, you know, it's kind of what happens if there's time, which doesn't always happen, right? But that's mm-hmm. why, you know, setting it and forgetting it, like you said, is such a good idea too. Yeah. And I think, you know, our business is so seasonal that you can really help alleviate some stress on your staff during busy times and your team where, you know, spring is crazy for us in the Northeast. We're so busy. It's like our biggest growing season. Our growing season is short. So we pack as much in as possible. So we're all farms, dealers, everyone's running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Well, what if we could answer nine out of the 10 questions that people are calling about on our website? What if we could do that? Could we then sell more equipment? Could we then fix more equipment? Can we alleviate some stress on your staff so that we're not there until 10 o'clock at night? every night during the spring, which we've all been there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And you, um, you mentioned this before marketing is human to human. Um, and it's really this personal way that, that totally inspires me. Um, this, this particular show egg spotlight, it was really born so that I could help companies and organizations reach producers on a human level, on a way that that helps the producer see the people and the why behind the organization, not just the sales message. Um, So less telling farmers what they should do and more open, honest conversations. So what role do you think that humanity plays into a marketing strategy? I think it's the biggest piece. Um, You know, you're talking to people at the end of the day, it is people buying your product. It is people eating the food. It is people running the tractor for the most part still, right? We're yeah, seeing, yeah, that's true. You know, we're seeing self-driving tractors come down the pipeline. They're out there, but yeah. you know, it's still people behind everything that we do. And it is people who are going to sell your product. There's no more powerful marketing than word of mouth. And you and I are both in marketing. And I think we can both agree that that's the most powerful thing you can do is have great word of mouth, um, have trust in the humans around you, Build your team so that you have trust. Build trust with your consumers and your customers. Make sure that your team is building that trust. Um, you know, the human, there's just no replacement for the human connection. And the more human you can make your marketing, the better. So while email journeys, as I talked about, are wonderful, can you have your salesperson send that email? Is that capable for you? Is that a capability for them and for your business? So as much human touch as you can put, and it's just, it's the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a little bit rambly on that. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, that's good. It's so true. You just can't overemphasize the fact that it is really the most important part, you know, education, humanity. Those are the two things that you, you have to, you can't um, cut any corners when it comes to those two issues, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't. And so what about labor challenges for a company when it comes to having a marketing department? You said before, um, some companies have a full marketing team. Some have one or two devoted. Some people have like an aunt or a cousin or none <laughs> at all. <laughs> and then some, um, some companies also outsource their marketing. And that's where someone like you comes in. So in your opinion, what are the pros and cons of each of these methods? That's a great question. Um, if you have if you have the resources for a full-time marketing person, I'm a huge advocate for that. I think you can 
certainly keep them busy. (laughs) There's plenty of marketing work to be done, particularly in today's marketplace. So much ties back into marketing um, across all your departments. So part sales service um, and in terms of a farm, um, you know, if if you have the resources at bare minimum, a part-time person who can just come in and kind of set your strategy and then keep you on track with that strategy. And of course, with the human connection element, it should be someone you trust and enjoy working with. So that's ideal. Um, If you don't have the resources for a full-time person, which 95% of businesses I see don't, and that's not where they want to put their resources right now, reach out to someone like you or I who does this part-time in this industry for dealers and for farms. Um, You know, we have the industry knowledge. We don't require the training or the investment um, in getting set up that an employee would. So that's an important piece. Um, Someone like me, I am a little bit more set it and forget it. I can be as involved or as uninvolved as you want. I can come to your place once a week. I can come once a month. I can come once a year. So I will talk to you about how that works for you and what you want. And then we go from there. Um, And there's a lot of consultants out there, not as many in the agricultural space. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. hopefully we see a few more pop up um, in the future. I'd love to have more. Um, So a consulting business is definitely a great option if you don't want to be as involved. So if you don't want to be overseeing that employee, you don't want to pay, you know, pay salary and benefits and all that stuff. You just don't have the resources to do that right now. A consultant's a great option. Um, And then... A big agency also has its pluses and minuses. You know, there are some great agencies in our space, but unfortunately, a lot of times the agencies that are approaching some of my customers just don't understand the space. So that can lead to some not great, um, I don't want to say consequences. It's not the right word, (laughs) but you know, the, the timing isn't there. You have to really manage what they're doing. And if you're busy, the last thing you want to be doing is managing someone, yes. yeah. you know, you yeah. want it to be, you want it to just work. Yeah. And if someone doesn't understand the base agriculture needs or, or the way, you know, the business of a, a farm is so strange because of, you know, no control over the sale price, no control over inputs. Um, there, there's so much that is different than other parts of of any other industry you could work in. Right. So uh, yeah, I agree. You need to have somebody that at least understands what, what farmers are up against every day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I will never forget. I got a phone call from a really aggressive agency when I was a uh, COO of Stanton equipment. Um, it was the middle of spring and it was one of those seasons where we were there from 6am until 10pm, you know, for three weeks at this point, And we were just oh holding on for dear life. And I got a phone call that, and the person was like, I can't believe you haven't gotten back to me. Why aren't you answering my phone calls? You're so hard to get in touch with. And I, I just remember saying very clearly, you're calling an equipment dealer in this middle of the spring and just kind of hanging up. And I hate to even admit that I did that, but I hope that people can learn from that experience of you need to understand the business that you're doing the marketing for period. And there's no excuse for not. Um, If you don't understand the space and you don't understand the business, then you have some work to do. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned before about building a customer journey. So when I consult with companies, I deal a lot with marketing automation and it's, it, to me, it's one of the best ways to increase that efficiency, lower Mm -hmm. the labor toll, 
Um, so what are, are, what are you seeing among the companies that you do work with? Are they, are they starting to embrace this? Definitely. Um, particularly, this is a beauty of the bigger dealerships too. Um, they're really embracing, you know, email journeys, they're texting with their customers and, and not just, you know, oh, my salesperson texted me to check in, you know, a very clear formatted, like service department where you get texts with your quote for service, you get a text. And that's wonderful for a farmer in the field who probably would have missed your call. And so then if you're waiting for that piece of equipment to be ready and you, you are watching your money tick away with the clock, right? If you've got a piece of equipment down during growing season. So it's wonderful to be able to see the text and call them as soon as you can, whereas you could have missed the phone call back and forth for a few days. So we're seeing some texting capability being implemented. Um, we're seeing a lot of social media um, being implemented, particularly up here in the Northeast, um, from what I'm seeing, and a lot of email marketing. That's good. Really good. Now, let's shift a little bit and let's start thinking about consumers, right? Consumers that are far removed from the from the farm. And you know as well as I do that the message from farm to table is not controlled by the farmer. Big corporations <laughs> in the middle are really, they have the biggest voice and the consumer is at their mercy and is their audience. That, of course, has led to the general public believing a lot of misinformation in our industry about their food supply. So what are some ways that the, that the industry as a whole, both farmers and companies, can fight back and change this narrative? That's a great a great point and a great question. Um, if you are a consumer, I would highly suggest that you pick five farms within 10 miles of you. There are, I promise, in the Northeast, <laughs> there are, yeah. not in all parts of the country, but here in Connecticut, there are five farms within 10 miles of you. Follow them on their social media, look at their website. They will tell you what they are doing. Um, we have some great, you know, there's a lot of, of, media out there about organic and chemicals and pesticides. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's also a lot of great information. There's a farm in Glastonbury, Connecticut, right near where I live. And they explain exactly what chemicals they're putting on their products and why. And a great point they made was this stuff costs us money. Why would we be putting things on that we don't need? So it was just right. a wonderful point and a super powerful point on their website and their social media that they made. And it's not a huge farm, you know, they're, they're great. They're amazing. Um, but their website was wonderful. So just go straight to the source for your information would be my biggest, biggest piece of advice. Go talk to your farmer. They're all so willing to talk about what they do and mm -hmm. are so passionate about it. And they, you know, they eat, sleep and breathe this stuff. They don't take vacations. They work 365 days a year on this. So take their word for it. They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I couldn't agree with you more. So I have one last question for you. What are you the most passionate about and why do you personally serve the industry and continue to do so? So I am most passionate about agriculture in Connecticut. So I, um, you know, in my, my spare time, so much of it that we both have, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I do agricultural advocacy for Connecticut farms. So, um, I, love working with the Connecticut Department of Agriculture. I also work with um, Connecticut Food Share um, in regards to food access and creating relationships between farms and consumers, um, whether that be your average consumer who is looking for a Connecticut um, CSA or, you know, what do you do with your CSA? How do you find a CSA? How do you pick one? 
um, on one side. And then on the other side, you know, there are so many people who don't have access to farm fresh food who should, and there's no excuse in Connecticut that we don't. So matching farms with food pantries, agencies who are fighting hunger, um, that's something that I'm very involved in as well. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. And, uh, and so if, um, people want to learn more about you and what you do, or if they need some help, where can they find you? Yeah, you can visit my website, which is stantonsmallbusinessmarketing.com or follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Wonderful. And so thank you so much. Uh, Great conversation. Totally fires me up. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. (laughs) And thanks to everyone. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks to all who are watching or listening. If you want to learn more, we will uh, put all the links in the in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to North American Egg Spotlight on YouTube, Rumble, Telegram, or Egg Fuse channels. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Ag Spotlight. Also, head on over to NorthAmericanAg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanAg.com. Thanks for listening. newest podcast by North American Ag is called What Color Is Your Tractor? The stories behind the ag brands you love and the ag brands you love to hate. Hosted by me, Chrissy Wozniak. We take a deep dive into the companies that have built modern agriculture. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Go to whatcolorisyourtractor.com. Available on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to northamericanag.com slash fastline hyphen webinar. That's northamericanag.com slash fastline hyphen webinar to register now.